As I was as I was praying this week, I was really struggling with how to begin. You know, you have to have that, that first statement that, that catches people's attention. And man, I went like three or four different ways, and I thought I had what I was wanting, and then God put it right there in front of my eyes. Our theme for the next couple of weeks is, of course, what? I'm sorry, what was that? Connect One. Now, y'all have all seen the movie where they had the giant that is the champion of the, the, the army. And this young fella comes out there with his slingshot. Wait, that wasn't a movie? No, that was, it was in a book. Yeah, it was in a book I read. That's right. And in the Bible, that's where it was. I knew it was somewhere that, okay, so we have the army of God. And it says, when Goliath came out, what happened to the army? They were fearful. They trembled. They shrank away. Goliath came taunting. But you know what? We have a champion and his not David. Now David triumphed on the field of battle. But our champion leads an army who is not fearful. That's a good time to shout. Amen. We we have a champion whose army is not afraid of the enemy. We will not shrink. We will not back down. But we will go forward and make our champion proud. Because it says what? He made a way for all, all to enter in. Well, Brother Kirk, that can't be, you can't mean that, 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 that the Muslim people. Wait a minute. All. All. Hindu. Buddhist, whatever you can name, he made the way for all to enter in. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for this time. Move in our hearts, in our minds. Lord, prepare us for battle so that we will not shrink, we will not be fearful, but that we will go forward, Lord God, as a a conquering army. Lord, not plundering for goods or loot, but plundering for souls. Help us in that day, Lord, and strengthen us by your Holy Spirit. And we praise you, we give you glory for it, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In Matthew chapter 4, we see a man walking alone, and he comes to a place called Galilee. Verse 12, we're going to begin. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, He withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. 
he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulon and Natali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulon and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness. We're going to stop there just for a second. I don't know if y'all watch the news, but we are living in a land of darkness. We are living in a time of our nation's history for the first time that I can recall in my short time on this, this planet. Very short because I'm very young. <laughs> don't let the gray fool you. Because I'm younger than somebody else sitting here. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I was I was, took, I was picking at Billy. Yeah, did, did y'all see me point anyway? But you know, great darkness is upon our land, and is upon our people. It's upon our churches because they are preaching a gospel. That has no power. Because they don't know Jesus. They're more worried about what man says, and we're going to get into this in a little bit later, than what God says. Going on. Living in a land of darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of shadows of death, a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach. Everybody say that. Preach. Say it again. Preach. Preaching is not a dirty word. All right? It's okay to preach. Jesus preached at the people. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. The first thing I want to point out here is that Jesus saw a need. And he was filling a need. Because what happened when we first started that? John was put in prison. And all of a sudden, these people that were following John were, were lost. Their leader had been taken from them. As later on, that the disciples... They're going to lose Jesus. So Jesus steps up. And what does he do? He preaches. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near and drawing closer every day. It's coming, guys, whether you like it or not. There will come a point in time when this world will pass away. All the things that we hold dear are going to turn to rubble, going to turn to dust, going to be burnt up unless, no, not unless, they will. <laughs> it just will. But the only thing that we can take with us is the souls of those that we love. John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the world. Pastor's been preaching it for 
last few weeks, that whosoever, does that go back to the all? All have the ability. But then how do they know? Let's go on real quick. We have to speak the word. The word preach, I went and, and did it, and I, uh, I used the King James. And it's, it's found in the New Testament 47 times. Can you imagine that? The dirty word, like preaching, is found in the Bible 47 times. Our culture is telling our kids, don't bring God into our schoolhouse. Our culture is telling us, don't bring God into your workplace. Our culture is telling us, leave your God in your church. What does the word of God say? Preach. Go to the uttermost parts of the world and do what? Preach. Oh, I'm doing some good preaching, right? God gave us a job. And that job consists of preaching. Romans chapter 10. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone, what? Preaching to them. Oh, but Brother Kirk, you don't want to be, you know, you just don't understand. People don't like to be preached at. Well, guess what? People don't like to go to hell either. Now, some, some, excuse the word here, any, any youngsters in here, some idiots might think that that's fun to say, yeah, I have a place in hell reserved for me. But, you know, th there's, there's only one word that you can use to describe somebody like that. They're idiots. Because they refuse to hear when someone preaches. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a way to preach without preaching. Right? The, the, the quote by St. Francis of Assisi. Preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. What are you showing the people around you? What are you giving them as an example of a lifestyle? We were back praying this morning as we do every service. Y'all are welcome to come back here. If y'all are uh, from 9.15 to, to quarter to 10, we pray. And, and Austin was back there, and he's doing this. Now, at five years old, 
he understands because we was putting him in the car. Now, he's been raised in church like my kids were pretty much raised in church. He says, Poppy, I love Jesus. And I love God. And I said, me too, bud. The great philosopher, Penn Jillette, if y'all know who that is, he's a, uh, what's it called, a magician, magician, comedian kind of thing. I've quoted this one time before. He says, how bad do you have to hate someone to have what you think is the key to eternal life with God in heaven and not tell him about it. Think about that just for a second. Do we hate our neighbor so much to think that we have the word of God that will save their soul and not say anything? See, Jesus went about preaching and doing good, right? Now, why did they come to Jesus? Because he did stuff for them. He gave them food. He healed them. Where's that with us, guys? When was the last time you fixed a meal for somebody that, that was just, just because? When was the last time you reached out for somebody that was hurting as a, as a shoulder to cry on. See, that's preaching the good news, the gospel. The gospel of Christ is love, yes. But it's also a stumbling block to those that are lost. It says it's foolishness to them that perish. The cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. We're not perishing, guys. We have, we have eternal life, right? If you're in here this morning, I'm going to put my, my money on and say that most everybody in here I know, I know you're saved, born again, going to heaven. But is that all we're here for? Oh, I got mine. I'm good. Me and Jesus, we tight. I feel sorry for all them other people. But Jesus does too. And he made a way for all to enter in. And he's got a plan. And his plan involves Living Faith Church. His plan involves his people. His plan involves each and every one of us that is here this morning. How can they hear unless someone preached to them? And how can anyone preach Unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. 
Now, in case you didn't know, that does not pertain just to full-time ministers. Right? Y'all got that? Come on, y'all, y'all, it's all right, y'all can, y'all can say something. That part of being sent does not just pertain to me and the pastor and our wives and, and the leadership. I, I don't know if y'all were here last time I preached and I deputized everybody into the ministry. Guess what? I'm going to redeputize you. We're going to be recommissioned. There you go. You are part of the ones that need to be sent. Because they need to hear. They're perishing. And we have the words of truth. We have the words that will give them eternal life. Now, are they going to be jumping up and down for joy? Nah. What did they do to Stephen? They got stoned. Oh, no, no, no. They stoned him. That's what it was. Because he had the gall to preach at him, to tell him, I know who Jesus is. I have a personal knowledge of Jesus. And he said to me, go. So I went. That's Stephen talking. Sir Isaac Newton was sitting under a tree and he observes a fruit. We don't know if it's an apple or not. Falls to the ground and what do we get? No, we get that little thought bubble. You know, the people comes up. You know, like, oh, I think I saw gravity. He makes another notation of a law of motion. Newton's third law of motion states that for every action... There is an opposite and equal reaction. Okay, if you've been in school, you've probably heard that. That if I push something over, if I was going to push, you know, this guitar, there would be a reaction that would, would, would come after that. It would fall. Okay? But in a spiritual context, there's also a reaction to us preaching the gospel. People clam up. People kick you out of their homes. People tell you to get out of my face with that Jesus stuff. God gave me this. However, this reaction, unlike the force of motion, is not equal. In 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than my foe. 
So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to push through their reaction. I'm going to push through and get them coming into church. Now, why are we getting people coming into church? Because we want to connect one. This was the title of my message. I forgot to tell y'all. Connect one with the one. Who is the one? Jesus Christ of Nazareth, son of the most high God. Now, we have a philosophy today that's, that's running rampant. <clears throat> this is a quote. Western evangelicals have been gradually losing interest in Bible preaching, Bible preaching, Bible preaching, and in doctrinal instruction for decades. The church in America has become weak, worldly, and man-centered. Evangelical ears were itching for something more hip and entertaining than biblical preaching. Churches were starving spiritually while overdosing on entertainment. The gentleman's name was John MacArthur. He'd been a pastor for 35 years. You know when he read that, made that statement? In the 90s. In the 90s, guys. Not, not just this new fad that's coming up to see all the, the, the lights and everything. We've got lights. But you know what? We don't worship these lights. If we didn't have these lights, guess what? Our God would still be worthy of praise. And we'd still be up here preaching Jesus Christ. If we didn't have this building, we'd be in a daycare still. Preaching Jesus Christ to all those that would hear. The days are getting dark. And the time at hand is to reach out and to touch the people that are around us. <clears throat> Psalm 71 Verse 17 and 18 says, Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, i got a long time to go for that, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts, to who, who all who are to come. See, that's our job. We are to proclaim Jesus Christ to everybody in our, in our atmosphere, everybody in our, our sphere of influence, our oikos. Preach and declare the power of who Jesus Christ is. Now, can you connect 
somebody to somebody you don't know? Not really. Right? I mean, you know, I, I know some of you. I know some of you better than some of the others. Some I just met. But you know what? I have to have that relationship for myself before I can tell somebody else. I have to know who Jesus Christ is for me before I can give it out. This is a book I just started reading called The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. <clears throat> now, I'm going to read something here that's not by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. This is actually part of the, the thing that says memoir, and it's by a gentleman named G. Liebholz. But it's about Bonhoeffer. Pick it up in the mid-sentence because this is all I want to read. He's talking about Bonhoeffer going in here. And he says he's going against that the social, national socialism was a brutal attempt to make history without God and to found it on the strength of man alone. Does that sound pretty much like today? It says those that attended the service held at Holy Trinity in London at the instigation of the late Bishop of Chice. Chester, on July 27, 1945, felt that on April 9, 1945, when Diedrich Bonhoeffer met his death at the hands of the SS Black Guards, something had happened in Germany that could not be measured by human standards. They felt that God himself had intervened in the most terrible struggle that the world had witnessed so far by sacrificing one of his most faithful and courageous sons to expiate the crimes of a diabolical regime and to revive the spirit in which the civilization of Europe had to be rebuilt. Indeed, if self-sacrifice is the highest fulfillment of the human being and if the value of man with his bodily existence depends on the measure of sacrifice he is called to exercise for the sake of responsible love. In the material environment for which he has been set, then Bonhoeffer's life and death belongs in the annals of Christian martyrdom, or as Niebuhr says, to the modern acts of the apostles. His good fight has been a living symbol that the spiritual has the primacy over the material. We have a materialistic world. We look around and see just all the stuff that consumes our life. This man gave up his life. He could have, if y'all don't know the story, <clears throat> he was in America. He was, he was German-born. 
He was in America, safe, preaching Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God just came on him and he says, I cannot stand here idly by and let my people perish. And he went back to Germany at the, the uh, where nobody wanted him to be like, they, all his friends were like, no, 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 you can't do that. You have a job here. But he knew more so what his job was there. He knew that he had to say, okay, well, look, says if I do nothing else, I'm going to connect one to my Lord and Savior. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give everything I got. And if I give it all, even my life, and one person comes to the Lord, it was well worth it. See, Jesus said that. <clears throat> Talking to the disciples, and they was all fired up, right? Because they came back to him after he had sent them out. And, and they're like, yeah, Jesus, it was so cool. That's paraphrasing, okay? Bible according to Como. Even the demons were subject to us. He said, yeah, yeah, guys, I know. He says, but you know, that's all good and everything. Because we should be doing that. We should be laying hands on the sick and they should be recovering. I have a desire to, to, to wipe out the hospitals. It looks like we might get a good shot at it with this Ebola thing coming, right? But you know what? Greater is he that's in me than the Ebola virus. But even as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, but if not, know this, that we will not bow. I will not cast aside my Jesus. Because he is the only answer to our problems. Bonhoeffer calls it cheap grace. My brother here called, had, had a term, sloppy grace. You've all heard it. Oh, I can do this little thing and God will forgive me. Yes, he will. He said that in his word. But you know what? Grace needs to have a price. And that price is for us to understand the price that Jesus paid. To understand that the grace that held him up on the cross carried with it the price of everything. Jesus wants it all. 
are you willing to give it, even your life? <coughs> Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn. You know, I've read that, that statement, that portion of the Bible, hundreds of times. But this time, that word learn jumped out at me. And learn. Come to me and learn. The word is mantheo. It says to learn. It was also from the, the word mathesis, which is a disciple. Increase in knowledge. Learn by inquiry or observation of me. Jesus is telling them, learn by observing. Learn by inquiring of me. And then I will make your burden light. And then you will be able to take on my yoke. It says, For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But you have to learn of the one. You have to learn that Jesus Christ is the only one. There is no other, guys. I don't care what they're saying. <clears throat> Going back to, to our uh, great philosopher, Penn Jillette. He's got some good quotes. He's an atheist, by the way. But he was raised in church. I'm a huge fan of proselytizing. I'm a huge fan of speaking your mind. The only way we can share the universe is by talking very strongly about what we believe. Boy, if only the church could get that, huh? If only God's people would feel so strongly about what's being taught on Sunday mornings so that they can't wait to bust through the doors and say, Oh, you know, my neighbor needs this so bad. Let's go on before I get into that one. Because we all know those people, right? That's for you. That's not for me. That's for you. Come on. Pray. Number two, pray. James chapter 5, verse 20. Hold on. I thought I copied it over. Isn't technology marvelous? When it works, <laughs> oh man. All right. James chapter 5, verse 20. Let him know that he which cover, converteth the sinner from the error of his ways shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Are you praying for those that are around you that are lost? 
Are you praying for an opportunity to reach out to those that are there? Every day, every day, you should be praying for somebody to be able to come that you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ to. How are we going to do that? Roman number two, share your faith. Now, our pastor did this on Wednesday night. We got a little booklet. If you didn't get the little booklet, ask and we can give you one. It's called Sharing Your Faith. The first thing on there is what? Give your testimony. Revelations 12, chapter 11, or verse 11, excuse me, says what? They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't be giving your testimony. That first part is crucial. Because if you don't understand the blood of Jesus Christ and its atoning power, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, keep your mouth shut. Don't bring us into it. Don't even mention that you come to Living Faith Church if you're not born again and serving God. Because what you're going to do is you're going to make us look bad. Right? We don't want to look bad. What do we want? We want to bring people with us to eternity. Overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. See, nobody can take your testimony from you. Nobody can question your testimony. Because why? It's yours. They weren't there. They don't know. That's like when somebody gets healed. If you were ever healed of something... Nobody can convince you that healing is not of today. Guess what? I have had a healing in my body. I know that God has reached down and touched my body in such a way that there is nobody on this earth that will be able to convince me otherwise. That's what your testimony will do. It will tell people about the faith that you have that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. Number two, be friendly. Uh-oh. Now you're meddling. Being friendly. Proverbs 18, chapter 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Oh, yeah, but you don't understand, Brother Kirk. He just, he just can't do it. I mean, I just can't be friends with this guy. He's just an honorary person. But are you showing yourself friendly? It says, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You know, y'all all heard the, the, the scripture about a brother is born for adversity. See, I always took that as, as my brother was born because me and him fought a lot. No, but that's not what it is. I love my brother. Brothers born for adversity because there's no one else that's going to stick up, you, up for you like your brother. 
if I would have said for him to come, he would have came, just like that. And Jesus says, and there's one that sticks closer than a brother, or the scripture says, Jesus didn't say it. He's there for us whenever we call on him. Problem is we don't call on him, right? No, God, I got this. I can handle this one. Sure you can. <clears throat> Number three, be accepting. In Matthew chapter 9, we're going to go in, in, in Matthew's guy here that uh, I think had this, this revelation of, of this that we're talking about. We're going to start in verse 8. Actually, we're going to start in verse, uh, verse 4. It says, And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts, whether it is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thy house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. Y'all know what Matthew was, right? Everybody knows? Matthew was a IRS agent. Now, I've never had personal dealings with an IRS agent. And I do not. You're right, brother. <laughs> I do not wish to have any dealings with them. I pay my taxes. I do what needs to be done. I do it grudgingly, i got to say. But I don't get to see it. They just take it out, right? See, what I give God, I give willingly. Oh, that's a different subject. Okay, go on. Matthew, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said to him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his friends. What? That has to be wrong. Brother Kirk, you can't be. You're talking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of God. Sitting down with, with sinners. Oh, my goodness. Accepting them into his midst. Are you better than Jesus? Who are we to say somebody can't receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? That's pretty arrogant of us. He sat down with the publicans and the sinners. When the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, Just picture this, guys. <clears throat> Jesus just having a good old time, right? Because sinners got all the good jokes, right? He's just sitting there, duh, 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 and then he hears all the religious folk. Over here in the corner. 
Look at that. Look at that Jesus. Look at him over there. Eating. Talking. Drinking. I think I saw him take some wine. Who is he? And then Jesus perks up. What? What y'all over there talking about? They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Go ye and learn what that meaneth I, and I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, we got ours, guys. We got our past, right? Everybody here has, has done the same thing. They've come up to the altar. Or they've accepted Jesus Christ into their hearts and said, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. But there's a whole world outside these walls that has not heard that message or that has not been given the opportunity to come to that place of repentance. For about eight years now, we've been trying to get you to build relationships with those that are around us, people inside the church, people outside the church. It's easier to talk to somebody if you know who they are. Yeah, you can go witnessing, knocking on the door, giving them a track. That's all good things. But you know what's even better? Having them at your table. Looking them face to face. Eyeball to eyeball. And you say, you know what? I was in your boat. I was lost. And I was a good guy. I didn't kill. I didn't steal. Well, maybe so. Jesus had levels of relationship. He spoke to the multitudes. He healed and had compassion on them. But he didn't go to their house and eat. Then he had 12 that hung around him pretty good bit. They knew him. He sat with them. He brought them everywhere he went. But then he had three that was tight. When he went somewhere and he left the, the rest of them, he said, Peter, James, John, come on, we're going. And he poured into those three. Find out where your levels of relationships are. Build on those. See, we can have an open-air meeting with a, a truck and trailer and have musicians out there and, and singing and gather big multitudes. Billy Graham had multitudes. And millions got saved by his ministry. 
But you know what? All we're asking for you to do is connect to one. If you can connect to one person, save just one person from an eternity in hell, wouldn't it be worth anything that it, that it costs? Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 to 36. Think that I am not coming. Now, this is Jesus because it was in red. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. Oh, what? That just blows our philosophy. That blows our theology. That blows our thinking. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a, a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law and a man's foe shall be they of his own household. Well, Brother Kirk, that just sounds contrary to just everything you said. No, it's not. Jesus says, go and make disciples. What was the first thing we said? He preached. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus calls, walking along the seashore, sees these guys fishing. he says to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. John chapter 21, verse 19. When he had spoken this, he's at the Last Supper, he said unto Peter, follow me. Who are you following today? Are you following your own selfish ambitions? Now I have a job. Y'all know that. But my job is not me. My job is just a vehicle that I use to pay my bills. But I have a, what's the word? Occupation of a minister of Christ. And my occupation goes beyond my job. When you occupy something, it takes up space. And it takes up a place in your life. You cannot connect one unless you know the one. We've been praying for many years now 
that God would give us in our pouring. In John it says, the fields are white. The houses back here are our fields. The houses soon to be over here are our fields. We have fields in Broussard, in Erath, Milton, Maurice, Youngsville, <coughs> Lafayette. Do somewhere. Just, just name a place. Pick the map and put your finger on it. That's one of our fields. But we cannot connect to those people unless we know who Jesus Christ is. Everybody stand. Receive this. Father, I pray for each and every person here this morning to get an understanding of their occupation as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you're moving on our hearts in our minds to the knowledge that there are people hurting, dying, and on their way to hell. Reveal to us this day the one that we can connect to the one. I pray that each and every person here, Lord God, will get a revelation knowledge of becoming a true disciple of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. To be disciplined enough to pray to seek after you, to study your word for our lives so that we can give that to another. I pray a blessing over each and every person here today, Lord God, that they will go forth, Lord, with a fire burning in their soul. Lord, what used to be an ember is now going to be a flaming inferno within them. Fan that flame, Lord, and give us the desire, Lord God, to see all, all the whosoevers, all those that do not know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 